hear this word that I take up over you in lamentation, O house of Israel. Fallen, no more to rise is the virgin Israel, forsaken on her land with none to raise her up. For thus says the Lord God, the city that went out a thousand shall have a hundred left, and that which went out a hundred shall have ten left to the house of Israel. For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, Seek me and live, but do not seek Bethel, do not enter Gilgal, or cross over to Beersheba, for Gilgal shall surely go into exile, and Bethel shall come to nothing. Seek the Lord and live, lest he break out like fire in the house of jo Joseph, and it devour with none to quench it for Bethel. O you who turn justice to wormwood and cast down righteousness to the earth, he who made Pleiades and Orion and turns deep darkness into morning and darkens the day into night, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the surface of the earth. The Lord is his name, who makes destruction flash forth against the strong, so that destruction comes upon the fortress. We will consider a portion of this text together this morning. Now, Amos was a shepherd, as we read in Amos chapter 1 and verse 1. He was a shepherd in Teko. Nonetheless, God used him to be his uh, mouthpiece. He was called uh, to be a prophet, to be one to bring God's word to Israel when they had terribly uh, strayed away from uh, from him. And so in the book of Amos, there is a special message that uh, God uh, brings uh, to his people. A message about God's justice and about uh, his judgment upon Israel, but also upon the nations that uh, surrounded Israel and, uh, and Judah. But more specifically for Israel, Amos had a particular message that was assigned to him by God to bring to uh, his people. It was a message of uh, judgment. And this uh, message of judgment uh, was what preoccupied Amos uh, to the extent that towards the end of the book in uh, chapter 7, 8 and 9, God shows Amos the visions of, uh, of judgment that he was uh, going to bring upon the nation of uh, Israel because of the fact that they had strayed away uh, from, from him. And so he speaks uh, to his uh, people. But the portion of uh, the passage that we have read in uh, chapter 5, comes in the context after God pronounces judgment upon the nations that surrounded uh, Israel. And
and uh, God, as it were, sends the shepherd Amos to go and show uh, his uh, people, especially for the fact that they had abandoned even uh, the justice that uh, they were supposed to show to one another, in particular social uh, justice. And when God, therefore, is But in all, all these things, God still begins to bless him. And he still shows him the gracious that he was going to be graceful to them. He was going to reward them. And that's why we have wanted to take the family to this point. And all the while, we notice that when he gets to uh, the, almost the middle of uh, uh, the book of Amos in chapter uh, 5, verse 18 to 22, you notice that there's a, more or less like a program of uh, what uh, God is talking about in the book of Amos. And that program has to do with the fact that God was basically saying to the nation of uh, Israel that justice must go. You must be true to one another, and you must be true to God. And in doing all this, is because of what God Himself wants to be, and what He wants His people to to do and to respond uh, to Him. And what He sought for from them is what uh, we will look at together in verse five and uh, verse uh, six. Uh, Sorry, verse 4 through to verse 6. And where God says this, if you can turn again to Amos chapter 5, we read it together. And here it is. For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, Seek me and leave, but do not seek Bethel, and do not enter Gilgal, or cross over to Beersheba, for Gilgal shall surely go into exile, and Bethel shall come to nothing. Seek the Lord and leave, lest he break out like fire in the house of Je Je Joseph, and devour with none to quench it for Bethel. Friends, God says, seek me and leave. And I want you to notice the repetition of uh, that aspect in verse 6 as well. It says, seek the Lord and, and live. And normally, whenever someone says something twice, or whenever it is repeated, you immediately notice that there is something important that is being said here. And more so, if it is God himself who is speaking. And when God speaks once, you listen. Twice, you listen to it. Three times, because as we will see later in the evening, that he still repeats the sense. Then you remain silent forever and listen hard to God. And I want us to see in the first place, therefore, as we look 
at uh, this aspect of seeking God and seeking God for a purpose. To seek God and live. To seek God and live. We notice that this is a gracious injunction that is uh, given uh, to us. This imperative to seek has with it also the imperative of the blessing that God will give. The imperative is that we must we must seek seek Him, and I want you to notice immediately the the emphasis and the objective direction of this seeking that we have been given as a gracious injunction. The the injunction is for us directed towards God Himself, towards the one who was to bring judgment upon the nations, the one who was to bring judgment upon uh, the nations around uh, Israel and, 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 and Judah, the nations who indeed were going astray, but also even Israel themselves had gone astray and they would not return uh, to him. And that is God's lament, actually, all the way when he starts from uh, chapter 1. If you notice in verse 2 of chapter 1, he starts by saying, The Lord rose from Zion and enters his voice from uh, Jerusalem. The pastors of the shepherds mourn and the top of Camel withers. Notice that it is from within his city. Jerusalem, that the Lord is, is rolling. It's from within their, their, their midst. And therefore they knew about God's uh, voice. And yet what we are reading uh, is that they did not return uh, to uh, the Lord. In chapter 4, when we get to chapter 4, this is God's lament. In verse 6, he says, I gave you cleanness of of, uh, of, of, of teeth in all your cities and the lack of bread in all your places, yet you did not return to me, declares uh, the Lord. Verse 8, so two or three cities would wander to another city and drink water and wouldn't be satisfied, yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. And it goes on, verse after verse in this prophecy, you did not return uh, to me. The Lord of hosts is his name. In other words, it is he who has been doing all these things, who has been in your midst, and yet you did not return to me. And I'm sure you immediately notice that we indeed do identify with Israel in every way. How many times has God woken you up from your bed daily? given you shelter daily, given you food uh, daily, and even all those things that he does for you, even just the very aspect that you are here uh, today. Would you really say, therefore, that indeed you are a person who is listening? That indeed when he speaks thus uh, to you, you would say, yes, and amen to the words of God. 
would you say as you hear God's word, which was read earlier on, and what we read just in a moment, and what you are already listening, would you be able to say, yes, that is what I want. To seek the Lord and uh, to this gracious injunction and invitation and the call to this necessary duty is a plain and very straightforward. It's one that is not uh, complicated in any way. It's something that even you, you know what it means. And just reading it and just hearing it, you know already what is meant by seeking. You know what it looks like. And the first thing that I would dare say to you, which you agree with me, is that this asks for your heart, heart's devotion to this necessary duty. It is calling on the very center of your emotion. The psalmist in Psalm 42 would say, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul fits first for God, for the living God. And that is what this is talking about. Yearning for God. The soul thirsting for God is what is called upon you as your necessary duty to God and all the days of God. The psalmist would also say in Psalm 63 and verse 1, he would say, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. In other words, in the place where people do not seek God, my soul, my body thirsts for you. Even when there is none else who is seeking for God, my soul longs for you. And when you seek God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. The Bible says if you search him with all your heart and with all your soul, you will find him. Deuteronomy 4, verse 13. We're very familiar with that text, all of us. And also in Jeremiah, the weeping prophet is, says this and is told this, you will call upon me and come and pray to me. I will hear you. You will seek me. You will find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Friends, God seeks that you may seek him. So we, we immediately see that this seeking of the Lord involves the, the heart, it involves all the energy that you can master. You will seek me. You will find me. If you search him with all your heart, you will uh, find him. Now, the question that uh, we may ask is this. Is God hidden? 
that we must then seek and strain all the sinews of the muscles in our bodies to go and seek him. Is he hidden? Is he far away from you? Does he make it difficult for you to find him? Isaiah 55, if if I may quote that, as I wrote it down, says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Seek me and live. Seek the Lord and live. And Isaiah therefore says, he is near. Seek him while he is uh, near. You know, the, the, the shepherd from Teko, Amos, he was shown what had happened to Israel. They had strayed away from, uh, from God. And they were just involved in religions without their hearts. And we'll come to this in a moment. And God would go to them, return to me. And so even at the point when they were sinning and when they had gone astray, God was still coming to them. Return to me. Seek me. Seek the Lord. And friends, this is what God is doing to us even today. Especially this season when we remember the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. This season when we must remind ourselves of what God himself has done. And it's this season when we notice the, the, the energies with which God himself has exerted to try to get us back. The kind of thing that God has done for us in sending his son, Jesus Christ, to be born of a woman, to come and be here, to come and take your sins and he goes to the cross there to be found with the punishment of God. That is what God is doing. What is your response to the others? Does it make you want to seek, uh, to seek God? Does it make you want to be like uh, the shepherds who when Jesus Christ was born, they were told, go and you will find a baby wrapped in hardened clothes, lying in a manger. And when they heard, you know what the shepherds did? The record for us is that they said to each other, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went, the Bible says, with, with haste. They went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. They went with haste. Are you going to sit and not with first seek the Lord? Or are you one who says, I have sought the Lord already? Do you feel within your members that indeed you have sought the Lord? 
you know, in life, uh, generally, when there's something we seek for, which we think is a life and death issue, we will use everything possible to try to get it. I was being told of a young man the other day who spent the whole night writing and rewriting his CV was needed to employ him. He was told, update your CV and bring it and come to the The whole night, writing and writing in, uh, uh, his, uh, his resume so that he can go and present it and show that indeed he is worthy for that job. Do we do the same when God is calling us to Himself? Do we do the same? Do we request, like the shepherd, rise up and say, let us go and see this uh, Savior of God? Remember also the wise men uh, from the East when. Uh, they were told of uh, this little child in Bethlehem. Again, they too did not rest. They went and said, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in glory and have come to worship. Where is he? Or I would that you would have the same attitude this morning. Where is he? Because you see, our text says, seek me and live. Seek the Lord and live. There is great benefit in, in seeking God. There is great advantage which accrues to you when you have sought the Lord with your whole heart. And I want you to notice therefore that with all these texts that I've read uh, to you, it's a thing of uh, the heart that God is concerned about. It is for you to really search and go in quest for the truth of God. It is for you, therefore, to seek and in seeking to make a wise inquiry and in making that wise inquiry to find the thing about life. Because anything without God, anything without Jesus Christ, is, is no life at all. Look, we are dead in our trespasses and sins when we come into this world. Even as little babies, dead in trespasses and sins. No life at all. And life is only found in the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. Here is life in God. And he is inviting you to say, come, seek me. And dear friend, do you know who he's speaking? He's one who has pronounced these judgments. Who says in uh, verse 13 of Amos chapter 2, he says, Behold, I will press you down in your place as a cart full of sheaves presses down. Flight shall perish from the swift. In other words, you cannot run away from the judgment that is coming. Pressing, I will press you full, like a cart full of uh, sheaves are pressed down and flight shall perish from the swift. Those who think they can run fast, they will not be able to run fast. The, the strong shall not retain his strength, nor shall the mighty save his life. 
he who handles the bow shall not stand, and he who is swift of foot shall not save himself, nor shall he who rides the horse save his life. And he who is stout of heart among the mighty shall flee away naked in that day, says the Lord. It is this same who says and invites and basically says to Amos, show this people. Seek me. Seek the Lord. Friends, we notice from our text that God is not to be sought anywhere else. The second thing that we, we notice, don't seek God anywhere else. Notice, notice what we read. Seek me and me, but don't seek Bethel and don't enter into Gilgal and or cross over to Beersheba. For Gilgal shall surely go into exile and Bethel shall come to nothing. Now, these three cities, Bethel, Gilgal, and Beersheba, were of great significance to Israel and to the people and their history and also significance about God being with them and God being their God. Notice, for instance, Bethel, which means the house of God, is mentioned in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 8, we not tend to use, as being near where Abraham pitched his tent. And later on, in the latter part of Genesis, is where Jacob dreamed of seeing angels and God, which he therefore called Bethel, the, the house of God. Gilgai itself was a place of memorial. Gilgai is significant in the Bible as serving a place for the memorial for Israel. For Israel. You know about the crossing of uh, the Jordan River into the Promised Land. It is here that they set up 12 stones, signifying the 12 tribes of, uh, of, of Israel, but also as a memorial at Gilgal. And they did this so that their descendants could be reminded of the power of God and what God had done for them in making them pass as the Jordan Rider and also as from the Red Sea when uh, also they crossed over as a dry ground. And this yoga place was a memorial. But also, Yeshiba symbolizes those events in uh, the life of Israel when they would call upon the name of the Lord in times of uh, trouble, in times of great uh, difficulty. So these three cities were important centers to remind them of their relationship with God to remind them of uh, what God had done. So there was something important about uh, these uh, cities. Notice, therefore, God says to them, do not go to Bethel, you go over to Sheba. Now, it's because they had taken themselves over to these things, to mere religion, to mere coming to places of, of worship. And for them, it was mere sacrifices they, 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 were, they were bringing. And God says, do not uh, seek the places where I'm worshipped. 
Not that it was bad to go and seek for places where they were being where, where he was being worshipped. It's just that their hearts wasn't really in the significance of these places. You might be one, therefore, who comes to church and who is here seated today. And yet yesterday and the other day and all the while you are a terrible sinner. Maybe not outwardly. But in your heart, in your heart of hearts, you know where you are seated, that your heart is not true before God. So, don't come to this place and think that this, therefore, makes you right. They are seeking of Bethel, the house of God, entering into the memorial of Gilgal. And being reminded as they crossed over to be a sheep, crossing over to all those moments when you have seen the hand of God in your life, that does not equate to life in itself. It doesn't. Israel had seen all these things. And God said to them in uh, chapter 4 and verse 4, in the words of the prophecy, come to Bethel and transgress. He says to them, come to Bethel and transgress. And to Gilgal and multiply transgressions. Bring your sacrifices every morning. Your tithes every three days. Even do better. All the sacrifice of thanksgiving. That which is living and proclaim free will offering. Publish them. For so you loved to O house of Israel declares. He's challenging and says, okay, fine. Continue being religious and see where it will take you. And see whether my judgment upon you will be removed. Come to church and sit in this auditorium. Come again the following Sunday. And come every Sunday. And even come even one hour beforehand. And bring your tithe three times a week and see where it will go. Mere religion will not take you anywhere. And that's the essence of why the Lord is mentioning these three cities. Cities of great significance and yet the significance is not touching the heart. That significance is not touching I do remember many years ago sitting in, 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 in class. Looks like a lifetime ago. I was in grade seven. We were this crazy boy. And all the while, when the teacher was around, uh, John, what is John that John? John was always very good. All the time. He was a beauty to behold when the teacher was around. But whenever the teacher would be away, John did the most notorious things, the craziest things in, uh, in class. And whenever the teacher would come, she would say, No, it can't be this. Not here. 
until one day I think she set him up. She went out and went and stood behind uh, the corridor looking at the past and there was John immediately on top of the box. I'm telling her people, don't do the exercise. And she immediately and John was very strong. You know, that's how some of us you think God is not looking. The things that he has placed in place, uh, matters of religion, I will attend. I will be very good. And therefore, I will escape the punishment. And it will not be so. Remember, in the Bible study uh, a while ago when we looked at uh, Revelation chapter 3 when uh, Elder Mephifad led us concerning the church in Laodicea we saw that indeed God said to Laodicea that I know your works you are neither cold nor wood that you are either cold or hot and we say you see the church in Laodicea was up just doing nothing into just mere existing, nothing of a heart devotion to God. And religion had taken. And God is displeased with religion. And this is what he is saying here. God is displeased with a mere religion of the head. God wants a religion of other heart. A religion that truly seeks after him. And this is a message, therefore, that we must all hear. That indeed, there is something that God is seeking. And this that God seeks brings us hope. It is not a doing of these outward things. These outward things, they will follow after. But now, seek ye first the kingdom of God. You see, the problem with going to Bethel, seeking Bethel, entering Judah, and crossing over to Beersheba, the problem of this is that this is always self-pleasing. It is a desire that comes with uh, the seeing what is there and responding merely to please ourselves. And also, we try to be careful in observing all these forms of religion. And when you read Amos, with all these things, where God declares punishment upon them, when you read all these things, the thing that you see is that these people had become ritualistic, ritualistic in, uh, in, in, in their uh, religion, so to speak. And also, their practice of religion uh, was devoid of sincerity of uh, their heart and also a true abandonment of, uh, of sin and an abandonment of all that is godly and all that calls for godly standards and all that calls for godly ethics 
and the maintenance of the values of God. And their hearts, we are far away uh, from God. We notice, therefore, in the third place that God shows the consequences of not seeking Him. There are dire consequences of not seeking the Lord. They seek, seek the Lord and live, Amos chapter 5, lest he break out like fire in the house of Joseph, and he devour with none to quench it for perfect. In other words, the very house of God where you go and seek to worship without devotion to God, I will visit that place and there will be no one to stop me from punishing you. Gilgal shall go into exile. Bethel shall come to nothing. And no one shall quench the punishment of God in uh, Bethel. Behold, I will press you down, he had said earlier on. I will press you down in your place as a cat full of sheaves. I'm reading from Amos chapter 2 verse 13. Flight shall perish from the swift and the strong shall not retain, is, retain his strength, nor shall the mighty save his life. He who handles the bow shall not stand, and he who is swift of foot shall not save himself, nor shall he who rides the horse save his life. And he who is stout of heart among the mighty shall flee away naked in that day. Shall flee away naked in that day. Friends, do you see it? That the wages of sin is, is, is death. Do you see this? And after death comes the judgment. And the judgment is these things that we talk about. Friends, when your heart is in pain, in other words, when you refuse to repent of your sins, to come to God, to seek Him, you are storing up the wrath for yourself on the day of God. When God's righteous judgment will be That's what he says. Romans chapter 2 verse 5 says, But because of your heart and inventing heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Oh, but listen, friend. There is yet good news. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And when you read the Bible, and if you are familiar with the Bible, you will notice that all the while when God is threatening judgment, and this judgment will surely come, he still turns around and offers you his grace offers you his mercy and offers you what Jesus Christ came to do. He came to seek and to save that which was lost, he said. And therefore, days like this, when we remember the coming of our Lord, we should also on one hand remember the judgment of God. But indeed, joy in the fact that God who is rich in, prayer, in mercy Desires that you may live. So seek him that you may live. 
And this is the good news of Christmas. Seek the Lord and live. And the life that he talks about is life in abundance and is not the life of amassing wealth here on earth. But friends, it is real life. Real life in, in heaven. This life here is only for a moment. It will soon be wrapped up. History will soon be wrapped up. Oh, but there's a life to come. There's a life that each one of us must live. It's either we did indeed find life through Jesus Christ our Lord, or we refuse life, the real life, and God now presses us down. Oh, may these words not be true when he says, I overthrew some of you as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. For behold, he who forms the mountain creates the wind and declares to man that is his thought. Who makes the morning darkness and trades on the heights of the earth. The Lord God of hosts is his name. He will do this either for life for you or death and judgment and to be punished in the real fires. Oh friends, Seek the Lord and live. And don't go to these places of mere religion. And do not be satisfied with outward forms that are here today you will live and go. Rather, seek that which remains in your heart of the life. Seek what God is able to give you. His very presence. To be with you. And to be with you now and forever. Pray that God will be for you. A blessing. McLaren says this. God is for us. Either that fire into which blessedness to be baptized. Or that fire by which death is to be bent up and us to be bent up for it. And the question is, where did you stand? And what does this period do to you when we are speaking much about what God has done? The coming of Jesus Christ is about bringing salvation. It's about him coming to save you. And it's about you, indeed, really, really uh, seeking him. And that seeking him, when it is true, it means you have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have seen yourself to be a sinner, who you really are. And indeed, you have gone to him, and you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And thus, Therefore, God will not break out to you. He will not devour. Friends, notice the words of chapter 6, sorry, of chapter 5, verse 6. These are hard things. Seek the Lord and live, lest he break out 
fire in the past. It devoured his non-defeated. It's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of an enemy. No one, no one can stop And when God indeed is angry, nothing can stand. Go ask Sodom. Go ask. When he overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and he reminded them of history. History has shown that indeed the burning of Sodom and Gomorrah was indeed very real. It's a fact of history. But also, the fact of history that Jesus Christ died on the he who knew no sin became sinful that he might become the righteousness of God in God. Sin from distance. Father in heaven, O grant, O God, that each one of us here may know what you have promised to those who seek to those who are indeed far away from you, cause that indeed all of us may know this great invitation that there is life in the Lord. But also cause that even those that do not seek will know the tragic loss of not seeking. Indeed, that they will know that there is a punishment. In this season, therefore, we do ask that you indeed bless each one of us with your presence, bless each one of us with the blessings of life, and turn our hearts towards you. This we do pray and ask death. And to this end, all may be honored and glorified and dismiss us now with your grace. In Jesus' name.